Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Hi guys, good evening. Oh, that was very, hello. Good evening. There we go. Wonderful. It's great to uh, start this series together, start this new year together. Uh, to be welcomed home by God this evening. My name is Eve. I'm one of the clergy at St. George's and a team vicar at St. George's. Uh, It's great to be delving into this New Testament letter together. And although we've, you know, we've joked a little bit about New Year's resolutions and it being a new year, but I don't know if you feel this, there is the opportunity to rethink your priorities, um, to evaluate where you are, maybe as an individual, but also maybe as a a small group or in your workplace or in your family. I wonder if you feel that this evening, coming back, maybe you haven't been in this building for a little while or um, tuned into a live stream for a little while. There's lots of things in our lives that appeal to our attention and our affection. You might have come into the new year thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to tidy my drawers. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And God is inviting us this evening to pause to receive from him as we learn, like the Colossians, how to root ourselves in King Jesus, to let him be the Lord, let him be number one, let him be the lens through which we see the world. And so we're going to journey through the next few weeks in this letter of Colossians. Um, And often it feels a bit easier to get into a letter in the New Testament because it feels a bit more immediate, but we still need to have a think about what that would have meant for its original hearers and what it's speaking into in our lives, in our culture today. And we get to journey a little bit with their journey with Jesus, with them hearing the gospel for the first time and it bearing fruit and then the maturing in Jesus. And I don't know whether you have any sort of New Year reflective practice. Um, Julia and I, and Joanna actually was talking earlier, Um, I have kept a journal a good old handwritten journal uh, since I was 17, I let you guess how long ago that was, Um, when my faith became my own. And most days, not every day, it's not kind of religious, kind of legalistic thing, but most days I've kept a record of what's going on, uh, what God is doing, what God is saying, uh, prayers prayed, prayers answered. I wonder if anyone else has a kind of reflection. It might not be a journal, it might be an app, it might be A line a day, it might be that you chat to someone every so often. Who has a kind of rhythm, a practice of journeying with God? What is God doing in your life? Just give me a wave if you do. There's a few waves, that's good. Who who would like to? Now is a good time as any. Who would like to start just some sort of way of chronicling, of noting the faithfulness of God in your life? Um, Okay, so I have three notebooks here. I'm going to give them away. We're going to start this right now. Uh, because we're going to track with Colossians and we're going to track with God this year. I have this um, very lovely, bright pink little one who currently will genuinely use this to track with the Lord. Don't just come and get some more stationery, I know you. If you would like this, come up and get it now. If you would like a pink notebook to journal with the Lord, you can come and get it. You can just come and get it. Okay, you can't have all three. So do you have a notebook at home? Do you have a notebook? You can come and get this one, but you can have one. Okay, I have two others. I have a lovely grey one, um, and I have one with a deer on it. 
Who would like to genuinely start a practice with the Lord of just noting down what God is doing? I mean it. Yeah, great. Would you like the deer? Would you like the grey? Brilliant. Okay, and one more. Who would like to start just practicing, journaling down what is happening with the Lord? Give those three people a practice. They've just started something. I feel like you were worried there was a catch. It wasn't. It's just an encouragement. Track what the Lord is doing and saying in our lives. Because we come into this 2022 a little bit weary. We're still in this sort of restricted thing. Things aren't as free as we would like them to be. People keep catching COVID and cancelling plans. Um, So we need the resilience of God this year. We need the strength of God. So I want to draw out a couple of things from this opening uh, encouragement and prayer from Paul to the letter uh, to the Colossians. And this city, Colossae, wasn't anything amazingly special. And Paul, the apostle, hadn't actually directly met them or planted that church. It was the fruit of his ministry of um, Epaphras. I'm going with Epaphras, Stephen. I don't really know if that's how you say it. Hopefully, when you think of you following Jesus, if you're someone following Jesus, you might think of one person or a few key people that shared the Christian faith, shared the good news of Jesus with you. Has anyone got those people in their minds? Hopefully, they're named something easier to pronounce than Epaphras, but maybe not. Mine was called John. So that's easier, isn't it? My, well, one of the people uh, was key, was my youth worker, John, who uh, shared the good news and helped me think about what it looked like in my life. And we see at the opening of this letter that Paul starts with thanksgiving uh, in his prayer, and then he prays some specific things, and then he ends with thanksgiving for all that Jesus has done. And we're going to look through this, that it might encourage us to know how to pray for one another and for ourselves in this new year, along with Paul. And it opens saying, we thank God when we pray for you, Paul and Timothy say to the Colossians. They thank God in their prayers. How often do we thank God for the people around us, for the fruit of the gospel in our lives? They were thankful that they had faith in Jesus and that their love for God's people was evident. Would people be able to say that of our community this year? They're thankful that that faith and that love spring from a hope beyond them, rooted in Jesus, a future salvation hope. And they're thankful that the gospel is bearing fruit, is having an impact, both of more lives changed and of society and culture around them transformed by the good news of Jesus and the kingdom coming where they were. Where are you in that thankfulness? Where's the fruit in your life, in your small group's life, in your community's life? Be encouraged and make note of what God is doing. And I want to spend a moment on the the specifics of the prayer next, after thanking God um, for the church in Colossians. He has a particular prayer, Paul, in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. There's a couple of times in the New Testament that says not stop praying or praying unceasingly. Um, That doesn't mean that you sit in a sort of trance-like state not doing anything else and just pray because otherwise some of the other stuff wouldn't get done. It means regularly committing and intentionally praying for things and people. That's one of the things we can do in our regular practice. When we pray unceasingly for something, it means that we pray regularly and often and intentionally. 
So what do you want to pray unceasingly for or who this year? And you can do that. But the thing Paul and Timothy are praying for is that we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And I just want to pause on this um, request that Paul is asking God to fill the Colossians with the knowledge of God's will. And I don't know about you, um, if we first read that, it might feel a little bit cold and a little bit like an idea. Um, When someone dies and leaves a will, that's their last wishes. So it seems a bit like there's like a map or a list of things or just a, a description that God might want to happen in our lives or in our church or the world around us. Uh, but it seems quite impersonal. I don't know whether that, um, that kind of tracks with you when you think about that. Um, but in this passage, I'm praying for the knowledge of God's will. We discover from a bit of looking at the surrounding images we have in the Bible that it's a lot more personal and relational. Because to know God's will is to be a friend of God, a brother with Christ, a friend of Jesus. And that is only possible because of the work of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection, reconciling us into this beautiful relationship with God the Father. You might know in John 15, as Jesus in his earthly life is speaking to his disciples, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant or a slave doesn't know his master's business, doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, I choose you. I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, the same thing that Paul is praying here. To know God's will for ourselves, for a situation, for our workplace, for our home, for our world, is to know the person of Jesus, what Jesus would do and be and have happen in that place and time were he here right now. Which, spoiler alert, he is because of the Holy Spirit in us. It's like, joins up. So it's not that he gives us a document. I mean, we have this... Bible, but this is a living, acting, breathing book because the Spirit is in us and this is God-breathed stuff. So this isn't just a dead, dusty book that has the will of God in it because the will of God is active by the Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever met someone and you've really clicked with them immediately and you feel like you've known them for ages and that's really, really great. But the general way that we build relationship over time, that we get to know what someone else is thinking, is over time and sharing life and being vulnerable. You rarely meet someone and say, this is everything about me, thank you so much, we're now best friends. And then you leave. You just don't do that. Maybe you do. Um, But at least if you click, you then intentionally meet up with that person again and hang out and want to develop a friendship. So Jesus hasn't just um, left us The Father hasn't left us, it says in Scripture, as orphans and gone away again. We have the Holy Spirit with us. And to know the will of God is to know Jesus and to know his heart 
for each and every situation and to then give us wisdom and understanding as we are open to the Holy Spirit to know what to do, the best, most just, most peaceful, most joyful, whole thing to do and be and say in each situation. I don't know if you would like some of that knowledge of the will of God this year. Anyone else? I would. Some of you, about three people would like to know the will of God. (laughs) What situation or uh, circumstance or relationship or conversation is coming up this week? You're like, Lord, what is your will in the situation? Not necessarily just a download of something of what to say, but to know how to respond, to know how to feel, to know how to influence a situation for the kingdom. And as we do this more and more, we open ourselves up to the Spirit. We read Scripture alone and with others. We spend time in quiet. We spend time in sun worship. We ask God by the Holy Spirit, change and transform my mind. Show me what could be in this place. We need wisdom and understanding for some of the crises and opportunities in our world. For the things that we've prayed about this tonight that are happening in the world for how to safeguard creation for generations to come, for how to bring justice and a voice to those who don't have a voice, for the biggest issues in our world, we need to know the will of God in the community. Sometimes it will seem like foolishness to the world, like death on a cross. But we are called to worship the vulnerable crucified king who shows us what wisdom is in his kingdom. So I wonder what there is of uh, your heart to know the will of God this year and to get to know Jesus better in order to know the will of God. And then in verse 10 we learn that this knowing the will of God leads um, fruitfully to live a life worthy and pleasing to God. That we don't live a life worthy and pleasing to God in order for him to love us, to earn it. It's the other way around. Jesus has given us himself, has shown us how we become friends with God, tells us what he thinks and feels and knows about the world, and then we go and do likewise. Some of us might have gone, when we were praying earlier, there was a a clock behind me as we were praying and it was ticking. And I just felt that some of us might have come into this year, into this term, with that sense of things to do, things to achieve, things to be, um, and we feel like there's a timer on us. And I felt like God was saying, come and learn my will. Some of us will have read uh, the John Mark Comer book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Jesus was someone who knew the will of God, the will of the Father, he spent time with him, and therefore he wasn't in a hurry. He was intentional, he knew uh, what to do when, he knew when to rest, he knew when to heal, he knew when to speak, he knew when to challenge, he knew when to walk towards Jerusalem to his death. But he wasn't hurried, because he knew the will of the Father. And then in verse 11, Paul prays, that they would be strengthened, the Colossians, with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, being able to give thanks to the Father for everything that Jesus has already done. 
He prays that they would be strengthened with the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, so that they would have endurance and patience. Because they were likely to face persecution, we're likely to face trials and difficulties. We know we're living for Jesus when we are challenged by the culture around us for doing so, for standing out, for standing for justice, for peace, for truth. And again, as I was reading this, it struck me um, that Paul is praying all of this in the context of the Colossians, doing pretty well, maturing in faith. The gospel is fruitful. So Paul doesn't stop praying for them when things are going okay, when they've sort of reached a sort of mature Christian label where someone might stand up and, and preach or do something in the church. Paul doesn't stop praying for them. He prays all the more, and he prays that they would have endurance for the long haul. And there's no sense of having to go and sort of crawl and, and beg God for a bit of strength for the day. It pleases the Lord to strengthen us by his Holy Spirit, to pray for the ability to endure. God isn't scroungy with his power or his Holy Spirit. We don't need to, to lean back and go, no, I should be able to deal with this situation. I should be able to go another day without asking a friend to pray for me. I should be able to face this situation. It doesn't mean um, that we don't need to build up resilience with the Holy Spirit, but that's different to relying on our own strength. And often we know the difference in our mind or we know the difference with the help of a dear friend who knows us well, who we can trust to tell us. Do you need strength to endure something over the next few months? Ask God, get people to pray this prayer for you. That you'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, because there is enough for us, for all of us, for us as 1830, for us as St. George's, for us as the church in Leeds. And all of it comes back round to this, um, this pro proclamation at the end that Jesus has already rescued us. He's already brought us from the dominion of darkness, the ways when we try and control and, and live our own lives according to our own pleasure and decision and what is best for us. It leads to darkness and death. But he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love that Paul led us in prayer earlier. Jesus loves to show mercy, to forgive us. So we might read the middle and think, oh, there's loads to do. I have to be a really good disciple. But we read either side. Jesus has already done what is needed. The Holy Spirit is available to strengthen us, to endure. But we can partner with him. Next week, we're going to look at the passage that holds this whole book together. And I encourage you to read it over the next few weeks. Read it every day. Um, Colossians 1, 15 to 18, about the supremacy of Christ, who Jesus is. When we look at Jesus, when we get to know Jesus, we get to know the Creator, Father, God. And we're going to have a conversation next week as we think about that and how we put Jesus as Lord. And I encourage you to read it ahead of time and to come with a Bible, maybe a paper Bible, maybe on your phone, maybe with your notebook. Be um, journeying with what God is saying to us. And just before we um, come to the Holy Spirit in prayer, 
I just want to um, acknowledge a verse that's the end of this chapter that is um, not part of one of the readings. 1 verse 28 to 29. And Paul talks about Jesus being the one he proclaims. Admonishing, which means sort of gentle uh, correcting and challenging and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. In verse 29, Paul says, to this end, in order that people would come to know Christ and be mature in faith and overflowing in fruitfulness, I strenuously contend, he says, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the heart of the pastor Paul. And this, I want to say, is the heart of all those who um, pastor, whether that's clergy or ministry team or people behind the scenes, Um, in operations in St. George's. I just want to tell you, eyeball to eyeball, camera to face, um, that this is is what's going on uh, for everyone at St. George's. Uh, People are determined to strenuously contend with all the energy Christ powerfully gives us. Not so that we can boast in our own stuff, but so that we can say, Jesus, here are more people that are maturing and growing in Christ. And let's keep talking about that over this year. How do we know the will of God? There are plenty of other wills in the world that are trying to steer us away. Hands up if you're called will. Not those guys. I said that this morning. If you meet a will, it's okay. You can talk to him. But there are wills of other things, of um, either spiritual things behind the scenes or just people trying to steer you to live a life that is not um, under the lordship of Jesus, that that isn't trying to seek the will of God in a situation that has other motives and motivations. We want to know the will of God, which is to know Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.